In five, four, three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. Today we have John Chung. What's up, John? What's up, guys? How's it going? <laughs> Good to have you, man. <laughs> Good to be on. <laughs> so, so John and us, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> and this time, way back meaning about a minute and 42 seconds for both John and I. Um, I mean, you know what they say, two Johns make a right, right? <laughs> Ooh, tell me more. I like these. All right. <laughs> hey, John, can you, uh, I don't know, can you, can you share this story about like, number one, who you are, and then number two, how you ended up here? <laughs> yeah, please do tell. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, Lord. All right. So my name is John Chong. I am a certified public accountant. I work for a pretty big asset management firm. Um, and how we got here. Um, so, you know, we have a mutual friend and uh, said mutual friend, we were out. And while we were a couple of glasses of wine deep, she mentioned that, oh, my friends have a podcast. And I said, I've always wanted to be on a podcast. And, uh, and here we are. So, Definitely, uh, definitely excited and definitely, definitely looking forward to talking with you guys. Good job. There you have it. Yeah. So <laughs> you get a shout out, Jackie. <laughs> Let it be known. Shout this is Jackie. our first random referral to ever come onto the podcast. This is fantastic. I mean, <laughs> listen, I am, I did not know what I was getting myself into, but I hope you guys are prepared for what you're getting yourselves into. <laughs> oh man, where, where do we start? This is fantastic. Hmm. CPA, I'm prompt to adventure onto podcasts, seeming like a very kind and charismatic individual. The world's our oyster. <laughs> the world is our oyster, really. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. Well, so what's your, what's your life story? What's my life story? Yeah, if I you mean, could summarize it into, let's say, summarize it into like 30 seconds. Well, uh, pretty laid back guy. Um, pretty, uh, pretty philosophical guy. Um, like to experience new things, like to try new things, hence why I'm here. And um, definitely like to talk to people that I might not necessarily have ever spoken to and get their perspective on things. That's awesome. Where'd you, uh, where'd you grow up from? And then how'd you end up in New York city? So I'm born and raised in New York, actually. Right um, all uh, 27 years of my life I've been in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. It's always weird when I meet new people and they go, Oh, so how long have you been in New York for? And I say 27 years. And they're, they're a little rattled by that because everyone is kind of a transplant. Um, I know, one of you guys is in Arizona and one of you guys is here in New York as well. Am I right about that? Si, senor. I'm the one. So Hugh, me, I, I'm the one in Arizona. John's in New York. But for how much longer? That's an open-ended question. I'm also... Yeah, John, let's hear it. <laughs> well, if we're, if we're being technical, I, I'm in Los Angeles right now. But, but I, do, I do live in uh, New York City most of the time. Um, all right, all right. Nice, nice. Brooklyn? Uh, I live in the Upper West Side right now. Okay. And yeah, it's been, what month is it, March? It's been like six months. <laughs> oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. So where in Arizona are you? I'm in Gilbert, near Phoenix, suburbs. It's kind of like if you know where Tempe, Chandler, south of Scottsdale, kind of the area. Oh, nice, nice. You always been there? Yeah, it's funny. You, you sound like you're a you know New York native. I'm an Arizonian native, quote unquote. You know, right? And oh, nice. born and raised here all 27 years of my life too. So great to hear. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my condolences to the Cardinals. Um, yeah, <laughs> if only we could be better. <laughs> just a bit. Listen, just, I, just a bit. Listen, I am a long-suffering Packers fan, so. Your franchise has a much better and longer term uh, set of glory than we do for sure, though. 
That's a fair point. I mean, I was blessed with good news that our Lord and Savior is coming back to the Packers next year. So it's, uh, it's great to hear. Uh, we can only go up from here. Can't come down. <laughs> That's funny. I, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. John, are, are, who's, John, oh man, how do I do this? When I say John, you can say, you can say John Kim. All right, I guess I'll do John Chung and John Kim. Uh, Chung, Chung, what kind? Where's that background from? Chung, is this? What the? My, no, sorry, not your background. Like Chung, where's the uh, the origin? Oh, 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 I thought you might Oh, so I'm um I'm mixed. My dad is from Hong Kong. My mom is white. Um, I do get quite a bit of confusion when people see my last name and you know they see that I have a full grown beard and they go, oh, it doesn't really add up. Um, but yeah, I am, I am a happy. There we go. Hoppers unite. There we go. Mm-hmm. Are you a happy too? Yes, sir. Oh, let's go. I, I am oh. Chinese English. I'm Chinglish, baby. <laughs> all right. All right. We love to see it. Love to see it. You know, we happy with, we happies are, uh, definitely one of a kind. <laughs> Speaking of backgrounds. John, did you um, did you paint that that painting behind I you? Oh, the Hong Kong skyline. Absolutely not. I bought uh, it. I bought it off online. I have no artistic talent whatsoever. I was, I, I, was so, I was so ready to be impressed, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's okay. I'm used to disappointment. You know, just ask my mom. Oh, kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Oh, that's awesome. Have you ever been to Hong Kong? Yeah, I went in 2018. It was it was sick. It was a life changing experience. I uh, it was my first international flight. It was 16 hours um, straight. Yeah, that's uh, it's like I guess that summarizes who I am as a person. I like to do a lot of things that you question afterwards. It's a great story, but then you go, yeah, it wasn't a good idea. In hindsight, um, <laughs> you that. said you said visiting Hong Kong was not a great idea. No, uh, no, it was a great idea, but the that being my first international flight experience is not like my best idea. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you did it, and then you ended up in uh, what is it, Shanggang, and then uh, you got Causeway Bay, the the main stretch yep. for <laughs> Causeway Causeway Bay. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Causeway Bay was a lot of fun. Lang Kwai Fong. Um, <laughs> Do you speak uh, Cantonese a bit? Very, very little. It's uh, like a five-year-old can. can yeah. <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> Yeah. That's all I got. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I ask, if I ever go to like a Chinese restaurant, I ask for the check or I ask for the bathroom, they, they're, they're shocked and they start speaking to me. And then I go, no, I don't understand. It is look with just such sheer disappointment. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> so yeah. i don't know why that reminded me of when i was a kid i i was lucky enough to have i went grandma when she was alive we'd go visit her and um and in mainland china and when i was there so we speak mandarin and i'm not very good at it but as a kid i had long hair so i had like that you know classic bowl cut long hair stuff i remember going to the restroom and this i'm like you know negative three foot two or something and and i'm walking in and then this chinese guy is like you know in chinese like this is the men's restroom and i just and i look at him i just remember looking at me like <laughs> i'm a boy i'm a child I'm a guy. <laughs> and then i walked in uh that's that was the story and <laughs> oh man that's that's good that's good yeah it's definitely um it's definitely interesting being, um, you know, a happy. I mean, I, I know Hugh, you probably know as well, where it's like some people tell you, oh, you know, you're white. And you're like, no, I'm not. And some people tell you you're Asian. You're like, well, no, I'm not. I'm both. And, but it's good. You know, you, I, you get the best of both worlds. It's, um, yeah, it's been an interesting experience so far. <laughs> totally. Do you know the background of your white side, quote unquote? White? Oh, yeah. My mom, my mom is Italian. Yeah, I just, right what do you call so many people even mixed bloods like i was at work and i came down the elevator and i met the guy and he's i was like oh are you mixed and you know you could just tell sometimes and he's like yeah i'm mixed and i'm like i'm like oh like what are you he's like i'm white and something and i'm like oh nice like what type of white and he's like uh and i was like 
do you not realize that there's like actually it's not just white you know you're not just white <laughs> i don't know i know i know john how did your yeah. parents meet how did they meet well they met through my mom's really close friend who she's been friends with for over almost 60 years actually um they're not divorced so that's like it's not really a love story but they um yeah they they met through that and um those in the um, u.s yeah my dad is yeah my dad's been here since he's five years old so he he's basically american he's very americanized he speaks he speaks tremendous english there's no accent whatsoever and um yeah it's uh definitely interesting to say the least (laughs) Very cool. Wow. Have you been to Italy? Well, first, first international. Are you going to go there next, though? I would like to go there. I mean, I granted, there was a period of time from, I would say, December 2018 to, like, the summer 2019, where I hit, like, eight or nine countries. Um, was very lucky to do that. I was lucky to have the PTO at work. I don't have that. And, you know, COVID shut down the world, so you can't really go anywhere. A lot of rules. Evidently, in America, COVID is over, apparently. Um, everywhere else is not the case. <laughs> That's a very loaded statement in a lot of ways, and true, true. It's like, yeah, especially Arizona. No one wears masks here anymore in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, my gosh. Um, but it is what it is. So you traveled to eight yeah, to nine countries before, you said? Yeah. What? Uh, yeah, yeah how, long, how, long was your, how long was your PTO? Well, it was, it was staggered because I just, I was able to structure it in a way where I used the least amount of PTO because for example, um, we used to get the 4th of July week off at my previous company and I, I staggered it. So I took like two PTO days when in reality, when in reality I was gone for like 12, just stuff like that. Just, just strategically, um, you know, able to do that um but now that now at this place i actually don't take any vacation days I actually lose i go without taking any which sucks like but what are you gonna do right so you that. went to you went to seven or eight countries in 12 days is that no not, not 12 days no i i so uh, in in what do you call well i did four in like um 12 days but across like a six month span, I had like eight or nine. So. Oh, I see. Yeah. Love that. Uh, uh, last night, I, I had a, a nice coffee with a lady who's from Pakistan. And it was really cool because she was a linguistics PhD first year and was learning about X, Y, and Z and was very analytical about cultural differences and even linguistical differences. And so I'm curious, like when you were traveling to all these different countries and recently to Shanghai or Hong Kong, right, is uh, what type of things have you noticed that might have been cultural or community differences that might be fun to, to express or talk about? Um, well, the first thing that is apparent to me is how ignorant us as Americans are to the rest of the world. And, you know, I'm privileged to be American, but it's just so blatantly obvious how you could spot Americans in the wild um, that they don't really, not that they don't accept people's cultures, but they kind of are, like I said, ignorant of it. And people are nicer overseas. They're willing to help you. And if you ask a question, they'll tell you the right direction. Unlike in New York, they'll tell you the wrong directions or they'll you know, walk past you or something along that. Um, but you know, learning different cultures is something that's so interesting to me because it's so, it's so strange that we're all guests on the same earth and yet we are so different, but we're so the same. It's always something that's interested me and always... That's why I'm fascinated to learn about people from different places in the world, places I've never been to. Was there a, out of, out of all the places that you've been, was there a particular place that like captured your heart? Oh yeah. Um, I would say Prague in the Czech Republic. 
was probably number one. It was uh, it was just one of those hidden gems where, because when I was on that trip, it was so um, like packed and scheduled, and every day was a full on schedule. And once I got there, I was just I was able to chill out and actually take in the scenery and enjoy what I was seeing. And plus, the beer was really cheap. Yeah, I went to this place called the um, the Beer Museum in the Czech Republic, and for like twenty US, you get like eight or nine beers. It was <laughs> no great. <way. laughs> yeah, actually, the Czech Republic is the biggest per capita drinking company, our company, country in the world. I didn't know that. I thought I was definitely going to say Ireland or like wow, Germany or something. No way. But, but yeah, also, it's the Czech Republic. It also depends on what they're measuring. Because like Russians drink a lot of more vodka, Koreans drink soju. I feel like I've, there are a lot of countries that try to claim that total. Mm. Just depends on how you measure it. Hmm. So cerveza, mucho cerveza in the Czech Republic. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of. Like, I mean, their beer is Pilsner, which is like that, similar to like a Stella Artois, that golden um, beer very different from the Bud Lights I was used to drinking in college, so. <laughs> I, love I mean, there, there's, you can find good beer in, in Brooklyn as well, so I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think you're in a deprived oh, area. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. Um, yeah, I mean, I still drink Bud Lights. Uh, a lot of my buddies refer to them as Chung Lights because when I was <laughs> younger, I used to show up to like a pregame with a personal 12-pack and you know they ask, "Oh, can I get a Chung Light?" So <laughs> I love that. That's that's funny. Uh, speaking of education systems, we had a guest on in that that was really interested in the education system of New York. And as an, another New York native, uh, man, I'm totally spacing on the name, John. Uh, oh, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. She, she was. Did she grow up in New York too? Or is it she grew up in New York as well, right? Uh, or upstate, upstate. upstate. So yeah. the education systems we were talking about. I was wondering about what your thoughts are on the education system of New York, Senor Chung. Um, I mean, I thought I got a decent education. I went to public school, so I went. I didn't go to a. I did not go to you know a fancy private school. I went to public school. Uh, you know, New York's finest. I thought I got a good education. Um. My mom's a teacher and my mom would say otherwise that, you know, she said the public school sucked, but I mean, I, know, I, I was able to accomplish what I think is a lot, but I also think that, you know, I think a big misconception these days is that um, you have to uh, go to these certain set of schools or you have to go to like a target school. If you want to get into a certain job, like in finance, you can't get in the door unless you go to a target school. So you can't get into the door unless you go to like an NYU Stern or a Yale or a Harvard Business School. I don't think that necessarily means that that because you went to those schools that you're smarter and more capable than anybody else because everybody everybody's different. And I think that anybody could do anything if they put their mind to it. You know, you, you see the, the stories all the time of the typical American dream stories where people came from nothing and they built these big companies or they came from nothing and they became something more than they ever imagined. And they didn't go to school. My father didn't go to college and he was able to succeed. And I don't think that, I think that education is important, but you could also learn on your own. You don't have to go to this big fancy institution. If you guys went to fancy institutions, my apologies, but all good. No, oh, I, he's, he's heated right now. Yeah, you, know, you know me, my my thirty two hundred high school school, <laughs> public school, totally heated. Um, no, we had seven hundred forty seven people in my graduating class in high school. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just curious about. Yeah, especially if your mom has insights like Arizona, our teacher thing. I don't know enough. I'm also ignorant, but I'm also trying to learn more, right? So I guess that's why these conversations are actually awesome to see how different states mm -hmm. and people from different states have seen it. But yeah, like I remember hearing a story from a teacher here where one, we just keep having worse and worse 
regulations and payment structures for our teachers. And like I just heard, read the newspaper the other week where we're now possibly going to allow teachers without uh, college education to be substitutes that are only high school diploma. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, interesting. So, and then I also heard once that there was Texas was advertising on our billboards, supposedly that they pay teachers more there than here. And I was like, oh, you know, and now I'm advertising for it too, but whatever. So it's just no bueno in a lot of ways. But I was wondering if you have any insights on that too, about how New York's system, possibly public system or private, whatever, treats their teachers at any grade level. It's based on tenure, from what I understand. It's based on seniority and tenure. Um, and the teachers union is quite strong in the United States. And it should be, right? Because teachers are important. It's a very thankless job. Um, but it's, it's similar to like universities. It's very based on tenure and seniority. I mean, the younger people oftentimes get screwed. They have, if I understand correctly, a LIFO system where it's like last in, first out. So if there's a if there's a position where they have too many um, teachers at the school and you have to get access, what's called, I think it's called access, then they will send out the people who are newer, who don't have tenure, as opposed to people who might be older. I think that's the wrong way to, to go about it because I think the younger generation is more full of new ideas. They're more energetic. They're more um, willing to try new things as opposed to the old older crowd, and I don't want to go and, you know, disparage boomers, but, you know, everyone knows the, at their office that they have that boomer that has been there forever and does this, has been doing the same thing for like 30 years and won't change and not willing to accept change. And it's just, I did it this way and I'm right and you're wrong. And I think that that's a, um, I think that that's a problem. I think that, um, you know, I think that you should be always open to new ideas. Hey, John. Um, I'm curious if you, I'm curious how you ended up in accounting and if that was something that you kind of wanted from a young age or something that you like fell into. Yeah, so when I was in high school, they offered an accounting course. And my dad was, was telling me, oh, you gotta take it, it's practical. You'll, you'll learn a lot. And I wouldn't say I enjoyed it because cool. realistically, anyone who tells you they enjoy accounting is, is lying to you. But I was good at it. And I like when things are balanced. Um, I think that life should be balanced. It's often not, but I liked how, I always liked when things netted to zero or when, yeah, like when, when things just balanced. And then I figured that no matter what, you'd always need, a, need an accountant. And even if there was a recession, you're always gonna need an accountant to, um, you know, to, to be there. And especially now that the tax law, I'm a tax accountant for, for context. And now that the tax laws have gotten so complex, you need people to interpret them. And then of course you have people come out of the woodwork every uh april and say hey i got a question for you and you know what's coming they uh they and they oh can you do my taxes and you tell them no and every and they don't learn every april 15th they come back at the same question but yeah to answer your question it was just something that i oh it was because of a high school course and it was something that i was good at and i it was also post 08 when the economy crashed, which is an entire discussion in itself. And, you know, you, you can't predict the future. So I didn't know whether by the time I got to the job market, it was going to be back again. So I wanted something that was safe and secure. So. Nice. What, excuse me. And so thoughts on TurboTax. Turbo? All right. So they, all right. So they run a racket and a half because- Hold can, my beer. <laughs> hold my beer. I mean, mic drop moment. They can, that Intuit has an entire lobby where the tax code, is, they, they make it so that the tax code is so complicated. It's really not. Where most people have just a W-2, that could be done in 
20 minutes. That return could be done in 20 minutes. It's when you have more complex items, like if you have a house or if you have a lot of investments, then it gets a little more complex. But if you just have a standard W-2, that's a joke. It takes 20 minutes. But Intuit has kind of created this culture or helped create this culture where you should be afraid of the IRS and the IRS is going to come chase after you. And if you get like $5 wrong, they're going to come chase after you. And you could, there used to be a free filing option for the IRS. And now there's not because Intuit has monopolized the market. And I think it's nonsense. With, and it's, it's, it's just based off of who you paid. Right, as with anything in America, right? I thought it was I thought it was free if your income was under a certain amount. Is that not the case anymore? Um, it what do you call? I think I'm not exactly sure. You could be right. Um, but I was under the impression that it um they took it away. But you you could totally be right. I mean, I welcome being uh, proven wrong on this one. Well, I've. Uh, I'm, I'm sad that I've paid for a TurboTax a few times. So. Oh, right, I filed right TurboTax. Oh yeah, I filed with TurboTax earlier this year. I mean, I had, kind of had to. Um, they had, there was no other game in town, really. Mm. It's, it's literally a monopoly. That I don't know how it's legal. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I filed with that too for family and self. So... The question I do have, though, regarding, you know, taxes, are you into crypto? Um, so I am not into crypto, but I, it's something that I find interesting. I think that the idea that crypto, that at least the government is pushing that crypto is used for, you know, buying drugs or illicit transactions is complete nonsense because Really, the U.S. dollar is fake money, if you think about it. And it has been since we got taken off the gold standard in 1973 by Nixon. Um, and it's just fiat money. So why can't you use crypto? Especially the, like, those are like blockchain technology. So like Bitcoin, Ethereum. I'm not talking about like Dogecoin. That's bullshit. But I think that there, really, there is some value with it. But what's ridiculous to me is how the IRS has really try to screw people who use crypto. So for context, let's say if there was a transaction between you and between you and me and you pay me two Bitcoin for me appearing on this podcast, right? Which I'll be expecting payment later. Um, but let's say let's say for that for argument's sake that happened. According to the IRS, uh, digital currency is a is a capital asset. So because you use that to purchase something it's treated as a sale of a capital asset so if you your cost basis is less is less than what the fair market value is then you'd have to pay capital gains on it so you'd have to pay capital gains for purchasing something which is obscene in my opinion and i don't think i think it's just a way of them trying to stamp out uh, the use of, of digital currency i feel like you guys are definitely in the cryptocurrency am i right what makes you say that <laughs> I don't know. You asked that very excitedly. I definitely feel like you guys are in crypto. Well, we're learning. <laughs> we actually do have a lot wow. to learn. We've had a few friends, a good friend of John's and a few friends of mine are into crypto and still learning mm -hmm. about it and such. So we've had a few people on the podcast to talk about it. But overall, you know, tax accounting, crypto, stable coins, et cetera, what is going to happen? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, with inflation, so inflation's so high, and I can't believe that. And you know, thank I don't have a car, so but I'd be pissed off if you know I was filling up at the gas tank because it's like what for something a gallon nationwide now, and it's going to yeah. only go up more. I can imagine where you guys are, or especially in Los Angeles, definitely like what five dollars a gallon or something like that. I saw six dollars yesterday. Oh my God, <laughs> that's, that's out of control. That's I mean, I, that they got to do yeah. something about that. I remember when I saw $3 and I was shocked. <laughs> but so, so I'm like, all right, I, I'll just like, these numbers don't mean 
anything to me. Like I just assume it'll go up. Um, yeah. Yeah, like my my favorite taco spot used to be Dollar Tacos. Now they're Dollar Fifty. That's fifty percent, like that's, in a year. No, <laughs> yeah. and even and even in um, in New York, right? Rent is. I'm I'm sure you guys have seen like the news. Rent is through the roof. It's for very, very low quality apartments, it's like 2,800 a month. And who can afford that? And you know, the income, they set income requirements at like 40 X um, income. And who has that, right? And it's almost as if they took what happened during COVID when price went, went, went down, matched what it was before, and then added on another like 20%. And you have to get into bidding wars to even put an application in, which is absurd. It's not a house. I don't know, guys. I don't think it's too sustainable. Do you uh, do you live with your parents or do you live on your own? No, it's just me. I live by myself. Oh, dude, if I if I was you, I would totally try to take advantage of living with my parents, which you and I have both done. Still doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I personally felt that I had most of my growth when I was out of my out of my house. I kind of had to really learn how to be an adult, <laughs> um, kind of like a trial by fire. Um, and also, a couple months after I moved out of my parents' house, COVID happened, so I really, really was a trial by fire. And you know, fortunately, um, I. I felt I thrived during COVID, but I know that so many people suffered and that's not lost on me, but that's why I feel even more fortunate that I was able to um, learn so much about myself, especially, and put time into um, really learning as opposed to doing what half of America was doing and playing Warzone all day, which I still did, but yeah, I chose to, chose to read a lot and mm-hmm. chose to really quote unquote find myself right i'm so i'm so glad i had a full-time job during covid because i think yeah. i think it would have been i would have just been like reading about the horrible things that are ha- happening in the world but like luck, luckily i just had like a normal job and then had things to do outside of that um so you mentioned you mentioned you read books uh you mentioned that you that you, uh, I think you said personal growth. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about, about, uh, yeah, what, what did you get into? What are, what are some books oh, that yeah. impacted you? Like, let's get into it. I'll be waiting for this one. All right. So I got very into stoic philosophy when I was, um, I'm not sure if either of you guys are familiar with it, but I got Just very into that. Can you, can you summarize it? I have a, I have a what do you call it? Meditations. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. You read it. So you're oh, so you read meditations. All right. I think we're gonna be friends now. I've read meditations many times. Um, but I guess to quickly summarize what stoicism is, it's it's a personal accountability philosophy where the way I think of it is that you can only control two things in life, and that's how you act and how you respond to things. You can't control the external, you can't control what someone else does. You can only control what you do and you have to take things as they come at you and that you, that life is short at the end of the day, that you don't have the past, you don't have the future, you only have the present. And there's a concept, which I also have tattooed on me, um, where the Stoics meditated a lot on death It's called memento mori, which means, which translates to remember one day that you're going to die. A lot of people think it's a very macabre um, way of thinking of things, but I personally think of it as a call to action that you should live your life to the fullest because life is so short at the end of the day. And it's got it's picked up more traction over the years. Um, there's an author that named Ryan Holiday, who is probably the most popular stoic author in in the in the space. And one of the books he wrote was called The Obstacles Away, which Bill Belichick distributed to the New England Patriots in ahead of the 2014 playoffs when they won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. And after they won, 
which they really shouldn't have. Different story. Um, Pete Carroll distributed, you know, the books to the Seahawks the next year, and it's growing popularity. They, a lot of places, um, even the, I think the Cleveland Browns brought in Ryan Holiday to give a talk about stoicism. They had the G, he had the GM uh, Les Need on his podcast, and um, no, it's definitely something that has is a big part of who I am, and something that I like to talk to others about. So I'm curious, Hugh, what is your thoughts on meditations? Because I love discussing meditations with people. I'm actually curious, what's the quote, your XXVI? So that's meditation 1016, which is um, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be, be one. And that's something that I try and live by. And I actually got it in honor of um, my godfather, who is my favorite person in the world, my drinking buddy, because I've been privileged to have him in my life for my entire life. And he is the greatest person that I've ever met. And it's been, I'm very lucky to have have known him. And um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I, a good friend of mine is really a big proponent of stoicism and he got me the book, the daily stoic. So every day yeah. it's very, it's really nice. So every now and then just, you know, and then I, I remember it's, you know, the very core concept of you, you don't, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt and whether or not there's even the possible, like uh, some, something that I definitely had to grow through and still continue have continually have to remind myself at times right as you know if something happens and something just for example in the dating scene right somebody that you are enjoying time with starts to not text back or something just i don't know i'm trying, trying to pull something out and you can get offended you can do xyz or you can kind of like just go one step at a time and then just say i don't know what's going on but give them space and then try to ask them how they're doing and then get their true answer and then react to it rather than just inferring and insinuating. I always love that. That's something that's really nice to me. Yeah. And it's also a big concept as well as loving everything that happens to you. And the fact that one of the things that I really took from it is that things that happen to you might not be fair, but if it involves you, it's your problem. And that's why I try not to, when something happens to me, to say, oh, it's not fair that it's happened. It still happened. You have, to, there, you have to find a solution. You can worry about it later. And if you spend your time complaining, you're not finding a solution to things. And if, if you're, you guys are on Instagram, the Daily Stoic is, you probably have seen some of those you know, quotes that come from the Daily Stoic that, you, that Ryan Holiday posts each day. You know, there's, there's one that's, I think the most popular one is um, is not death a man should fear, but it, it should fear never beginning to live. And I think I think that's true because so many people, and which is another problem in society, so many people are so afraid of things, and everything is oh I'll, I'll do it eventually, or you know when when X Y and Z happens, or for example, um, you take people who are quote unquote resolutionists, right? And they say, oh, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm going to go to the gym when it gets warmer. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym when this happens. I'm going to start that diet tomorrow. And they never wind up starting it. Because at the end of the day, you have to take action now when you can. You're not going to put it off. If you put it off till tomorrow, you're not going to do it. Let's be honest. And I don't judge those people. I mean, that's their personal decision. But I just try and live my life as if, it should be like life is a gift at the end of the day and it's so short and you, you know, you see in the news, um, probably one of the things that affected me the most was um, when Kobe Bryant died because it seemed like he was invincible. And that really showed me that, wow, a guy that, I mean, I wasn't a big basketball fan, but a guy I grew up thinking was this invincible guy died in a very, in a one in a million circumstance and it was just so sudden and there was nothing that could be done about it and that's why I decided that yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna live 
And that's not me advocating for, you know, people to jump off a bridge or jump out of an airplane or, you know, do some other crazy stuff. But you, if it's not, my philosophy is if it's not illegal, if it's not going to hurt you, just try it. You know, worst comes to worst, you look like an idiot, but at least you have a story to tell at the end of the day. Curious to see what your guys' uh, opinions are on that one. I'm curious what, if you have an example of one thing that you've done where you did look like an idiot and, and kind of like, like took what you just said and then like did it. Just curious if you have one example out of curiosity. You know, the joke to be made is coming is me saying coming on this podcast. I'm not, but I, you know, but um, <laughs> I I can't think of one off the top of my head, sadly. Um, but yeah, just curious to see what your guys' thoughts on that whole, um, you know, philosophy. My my little soliloquy there. <laughs> I can I can uh, chat. I can talk um so i worked i worked in sales at one point i was doing door-to-door sales um Mm -hmm. spent two summers in college doing that job it was very hard lots of rejections and i was not aware of stoicism at the time but i think what i learned from it uh is basically the same it's like the same thing but with like a, like a different wrapper around it. And mm. yeah, it was, it was really interesting because a lot of the skills that I learned from that job was applicable to like other pursuits in my life. Um, so for example, it's like, you know, little things like, like know what's in your control and know what's not in your control. Knock on a door and the... Oh, did we lose you? Uh oh. Wow. Guess there's nothing he can control about the internet. <laughs> so that that's okay. You know, I just left him speechless. <laughs> He's out. well. We keep going though. But from my perspective, something that happened was uh, the one of the things that just kind of living life in the moment where you're like, okay. I'm scared. This is something I'm afraid of doing, but I don't know why, but this seems like the right decision or at least taking that leap of faith. And I, that was how I met John as I was a media studies major in college, did film photo, Mm -hmm. supposed to go into SoCal and like Hollywood area, do PA stuff. But then Mm -hmm. I read Steve Jobs autobiography and I bought a one-way ticket to SF. So then I ended up in Frisky Frisco (laughs) and here we are now, like all of that became, came from this, like, seven years later so you never know i i no i love to hear stories like that because at the end of the day you know people talk about um being afraid of change but really if you think about it every single day is changed and not to get so cool and heavy but there's uh, there's a quote where um you never step into the same river twice because the the river is different and the man is different and that's why like people who are afraid of change, I never understood that because like I said, every day is different and you're never going to grow if you don't try and change. But no, I mean, I love hearing stories like that of leaps of faith because oftentimes they work out, believe it or not. You guys, I, I just told the most amazing story. Should have been you? <laughs> I, oh, man. Yeah, it was incredible. uh... (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad you're back (laughs) um no it's funny funny mr chung that you you said about the never step in the same river twice fun trivia question do you know who said that heracletus nice yes and who was he going against philosophically and discussing those philosophical views Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm drawing a blank on that one. It would be Parmenides. So Parmenides... Oh, someone, someone, <laughs> yeah. someone read Lives of the Stoics. No, I, I'm not that deep, but my dad is a lot more knowledgeable about it. And I was just talking to him about this recently uh, with, a, you know, 
another matter of the heart type thing. And so um, it, it was fun. Like Parmenides, I wrote this in a, a, a letter for a breakup letter, actually. And it was Parmenides believed that appearances change, but not essence. While Heraclitus believed that we step and do not step into the same river twice. And I thought that was really cool uh, how that discussion goes. So there's a whole rabbit hole to go down if you're ever interested. So wow, you wrote a Dear John letter with uh, with Stoicism. That's a first. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Dear John, don't uh, don't take it personally. Hughes Hughes dad is a historian, so he just sort of picks up. And, and yeah, I'm a cheater. Like, <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like I, I'm not actually <laughs> that well read. It's just sometimes you just get random like breadcrumbs from from the table. No, I mean that's I don't I don't judge anybody. Like I don't I don't I would never. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Not a problem. No, I love it. It's actually awesome. That's awesome that you actually quoted Heraclitus. So, but something to change back to. John Kim before he uh, was ethereally Wi-Fi'd away. What were what were you saying? <laughs> I'm. I don't remember what I was saying, but but thumbs up for stoicism is my hot you were, take. You were you were something about taking something that was uncomfortable, and then uh, I forget what the actual adjectives were, but you were talking about something that you did that was out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I think I was talking about how, how, um, I, I had a really like hard job where I, I learned a lot from it. And I think what I learned from it was like, I later discovered was like Stoics had wrote, written about it. Um, so for example, like knowing what's in your control and knowing what's out of your control, um, so for my door-to-door -door sales job, like I knock on a door, I don't have any control over who's gonna be on the other side, but I can control my attitude. I can control how I react to um, to an angry person. Um, I can control um, how knowledgeable I am. I can control um, whether or not I speak the language that the other person is comfortable with. Um, and then kind of in the same way, like. Uh, John, for context, I went to a coding bootcamp years later, and and it was it was interesting because I I would when I was applying and interviewing for jobs right after it was it was quite difficult, but I I kind of like had that same thing where I, where I was like, oh, what's in my control? I can like I can like study, I can volunteer, I can like take whatever job um and that like really helped me like I, I had i had a thicker skin like but damn if if i had only known i, I had to read meditations and wouldn't have had to go, go through all that trouble that would have been amazing um but side note fun fact i emailed ryan holiday once and he responded really that's so cool <laughs> yeah nice um, I asked, I was, I was having a hard time. I was like the first salesperson at my first job out of college and was having a really hard time, like finding potential clients. And I, like, I just emailed him about it. Um, I was like, I was like, Oh, how do you, how do you sell something? That's like not sexy. And then he responded and he was like, I wrote an article about this, read it here. And I was like, dude. That's that's really cool. Yeah, that's really so, cool. I have a lot of a lot of respect for him, and just love the life that he's living. Like, he like wakes up and reads and writes for like four hours in the morning, and then goes like tends yeah. to his farm, and then goes goes and opens a bookstore, and then goes runs a marathon, and then like goes home and plays with his kids. It's just like, what a what a life, what a cool guy. Yeah, no, it's definitely um, definitely impressive. I mean. I think that he's helping with uh, bringing back uh, reading into the mainstream. And it's interesting because if you think about it, so many people have short attention spans because of, you know, because of our phones, because of social media and all that other nonsense. But 
it's always interested me that people will listen to like a three hour long Joe Rogan podcast where he's talking about DMT. Um, but they won't watch like a five minute YouTube video without have, looking at their phone. It's, it's, oh, it's, the duality is quite interesting. But I think that the bringing back of really reading into the mainstream is important because you should always want to learn more. You know, it's, I think it's imperative that you learn more. And I think that you should never think that you've mastered something because there's always something more to learn. And there's always someone that knows more than you. There's always someone that's more skilled than you, you know, and you're never going to be the best because there's always someone that's going to be better, but you should strive as close to perfection that you can. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh man. John usually asks a question when we're nearing the end. And I was like, wait, did John ask the question? Did that just happen organically? That totally just happened organically. Um, let's see. John, do you have any questions for us? Sorry, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been interviewing candidates and that's, that's what I had. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm curious to, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your guys' I guess, life philosophy is, what your, um, what your, ba- I mean, I didn't really get to hear too much about your guys' background. I mean, I spent, I spent 53 minutes talking about myself and heaven knows that I could go on for more, but no, I, I'm very curious to hear about you guys. You first, John. <laughs> my, my 30 second summary is that I lived in Los Angeles for 28 or 29 years. Um, I work in software development. I I was like really into traveling in my early and mid 20s. Um, still have still have like pieces of that right now. Uh, I don't like which which is evidenced by the fact that I'm in Los Angeles right now. Um, and, uh, one, one thing I, I try to be mindful about is, um, is like when I, whenever I make a hard decision, I ask myself, what would 70 year old me wish he had done? Uh, like, basically I want to like, I want to be an old guy and then look back and just be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it for me. I mean, I've... What about you, Hugh? Mm, quick life story. Grew up in Arizona. Was had no idea what I was gonna do. So people who knew what they were gonna do always so envious. I, decent enough student. Ended up studying some cool stuff in media, but then ended up in Silicon Valley, slaved away, and then uh, ended up back home. I have an older dad. He's in his nineties plus. So helping take care of that. That's when I learned my first value, which is work is not above family. So family comes first for me. And that made me so much happier because when I was in SESF for two years and we've talked about this on different podcasts. So uh, sorry to repeat myself, but, uh, you know, I was, I was very, very upset and sad in a lot of ways and had a lot of times that were very difficult, but I met, you know, Jackie Tran and John as well. So that was really positive. Um, but yeah, moved home and then taught myself to dev after suffering a lot of grueling work as well. And didn't like dev world, but after taking that $20 Udemy course, ended up as a designer growing in design stuff. And then from there learned about my philosophies of friends are the next best thing. So family and then friends are the most important then mental health and physical health and then after that comes work and hobbies so with that that's kind of where i am now and those are the things that i like to espouse with people around me and my team members and friends and family yeah i mean listen if you don't have friends and family what else do you have right you got money. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? Making more money, living away from family, not engaging, and uh, yeah, not giving back. That's what it's about. Yes, and this has been the Gary V podcast. Um, 
Oh man, that's funny. That could be a discussion in itself. I I think he's a fraud. But that's a different issue. Um. Yeah, yeah I mean, I the, it's just like the loud person in the room. Like. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of loud and not, not a lot of substance. Um. Yeah, the 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 whole concept of making more money. If you, I always think it's so interesting. If you look back to the robber barons at the turn of the century, where they made a competition to make as much money as possible, and then they competed to give as much away as possible, because you realize that you can't take it with you. At the end of the day, and um, I know in Asian culture it's popular to think that you can, and that's why I. You know Chinese burials, they throw the fake, they burn the fake money, the fake gold. If you've ever been to one, um, the uh, a lot of incense, but you really, really, you can't take it with you. And no one ever lays on their deathbed wishing that they worked more. Um, I used to work for, I used to work in public accounting. I used to work for one of the big four, and I used to put in. Um, really crazy hours, like 100 hours a week and not getting overtime, which should be illegal. Uh, but at one point I just said like, there's more to life than this. Like this is not, this is not sustainable. It's not worth it. And like I said, no one ever lays on their deathbed wishing that they worked more. Um, hey, John, uh, we usually we ask our, our guests like if they have any words of wisdom, but I feel like the last thirty minutes have just been like wisdom after wisdom after <laughs> like. But uh, yeah, if if you have any if you have any parting thoughts um, or any um, yeah any anything you want to say, or give a shout out well, to. Well, first you know. Thank you guys for having me on. Like I, you picked some random, some random dude and pulled him out, and then allowed me to go on for a thirty-minute soliloquy on stoicism, which could have easily been more. It's pretty bad. Um, shout out, Jackie. That's, that's that's for that's for part two. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I guess in terms of what my parting words of wisdom would be is similar to similar to what I you know mentioned before and that's to live life to the fullest because you owe it to yourself be uncomfortable because it only lasts for that moment and who knows you might enjoy what you're doing and really value the people around you value the friends and family that you have around you because no good thing exists without friends to share. And that's uh, a quote from Lucia Seneca, who funny enough is also responsible for, if you know the song Closing Time, where it ends off with every new beginning starts with some other beginnings end that comes from him. Um, so a little musical trivia for you as well but in all seriousness um really thank you guys for having me on it was uh definitely cool to be on my first podcast um whether i listen to this is what do you call because i hate the sound of my own voice and i, I what do you call and be so so embarrassed but yeah would definitely um definitely yeah if you, if you guys would have me would definitely love to discuss more again you guys are you guys are awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a repeat guest yeah mm. that's awesome yeah that's like i mean one of the biggest points about this is making random friends all around the world so this is actually so cool man and yeah for sure for sure wow with that you know it always is a sad moment when we have to come to the end of another really good episode so with that, this is a, <laughs> the Moon Tea Podcast, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. This is a podcast where we talk about craft, community, building meaningful careers. We had and were graced by the amazing presence of Senor and Mr. John Chung, CPA and philosopher and Stoic philosopher and many other things and polymath of many different all aspects of life. Thank you, Jackie Tran, JT, Jack Attack from episode 17 to uh to have uh, this guest come on randomly and serendipitously 
with that we will tune in next time hopefully uh, or you'll tune in next time hopefully and we'll keep on making some decent content and get some stuff out there so thank you again and see you next time peace